This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You're listening to Goodfellas Minute 21. <laughs> I know I'd go from rags to riches If you would only say you care Hello, welcome to Goodfellas Minute, the only podcast that analyzes the Martin Scorsese film Goodfellas, one awkward laughing minute at a time. My name is Connor <laughs> Kilpatrick, with me is Josh Flanagan. Hello. And Ron Richards. Hey, you're a funny guy. And joining us this week is special guest Tom Merritt, the host of the Daily Tech News Show, 
Sword and Laser, Current Geek, Cord Killers. What Cord Killers? How many shows do you currently do, Tom? Uh, what do you mean by that? <laughs> uh, thank you for having me. I do way too many shows. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Nothing better than asking a busy podcaster to come be on another podcast. <laughs> hey, you got, they promised me it was only a minute long, and then I found out that it's only the minute that we're talking about. But whatever, this is going to be fun. <laughs> So, Goodfellas Bit 21, 21 starts with, uh, we, we just got the beginning of Tommy's story in the last minute, so this is really starting Tommy's uh, humorous tale about a bank robbery, and then it ends with uh, Henry making the mistake of telling Tommy he's funny. And this is probably, uh, this, is, this, is the, this minute begins the most famous scene in the film that lasts, well, this whole week, basically, so uh, we're going sp- to really spend a lot of time living in this scene. And this, and and, and you're right. I mean, like I remember, um, like didn't like Center Night Live parodied 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 this like four or five times. Keep going. Are you yeah, nervous? I yeah, a little nervous. <laughs> uh, well, Tom, Tom's a big deal. No, um, no, but I just remember like this was the cultural zeitgeist representation of the movie. Right. Like well, this. It's scene. It's still it's, if people think of this movie, they think of this scene. Yeah, well, the, and especially the next minute, right? Like this, this is like the the ramp up. And what I what I'd forgotten until I rewatched this was there's so many iconic parts of this telling of the story, the bada bing and all of that stuff that we pair it to, but we kind of forget that because of the minute that follows it. Yeah. And so really, this is Tommy telling the story of when he after he robbed the bank at Sea Caucus in Sea Caucus, <laughs> New <laughs> Jersey. Uh, he he was hiding from the cops. The cops catch him, beat him up. And this is his humorous tale. So now, uh, there's a lot to talk about this week. We're going to break it up by episode. Ron, why don't you start us off with some information on who we're looking at here? Okay, yeah. So we're 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 looking at uh, the uh, this is Joe Pesci who's playing the character of Tommy DeVito, uh, and we're going to talk about uh, who Tommy DeVito is based on. Uh, in this episode, and then tomorrow we're going to talk about uh, Joe Pesci specifically. But so Tommy DeVito is technically based on a real-life mobster named Tommy DeSimone, although there are aspects of this character in the movie that um, become uh, pastiches of other people. Yeah, like Paul Jr. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and, and like, for example, like, Tommy DeSimone in real life was married, and Tommy DeVito in the movie isn't married, as, and we'll get into that later in the movie and things like that. So little differences here and there. But so Tommy DeSimone uh, went by uh, he's a couple of nicknames. He was known as Two-Gun Tommy or just Tommy D. Which I feel like is Tommy D a nickname is among some you know, unimaginative <laughs> folks that you may find. Uh, it's, better, it's better than Tommy Two Hands. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just very unimaginative. Anyway, um, so in real life, Tommy D. Simone uh, was physically the opposite of Joe Pesci. He was Tommy D. Simone was six foot two and weighed about two hundred twenty-five pounds. I thought, so you meant, I thought you meant he was seventeen as opposed to forty-seven. <laughs> well, no, well, he, actually, so it was, but you're saying he was not an accomplished jazz singer. Yeah, no, he was not. <laughs> Okay. It was not um, funny. But uh, Tommy DeSimone represents re- – re- yeah, he wasn't funny at all. That's the irony of this. <laughs> um, <laughs> he represents uh, an example of, of, of like a legacy of crime in a family. Uh, he was actually the grandson of Rosario DeSimone, who was a Los Angeles mob boss in the 1920s. I loved his early crime work. Yeah, and he's the nephew of Frank DeSimone, who was a lawyer, then turned mobster when he took over the Los Angeles mob in 1956. In addition to that, uh, he had two brothers who were uh, also in the mob, but in the Gambino crime family. 
basically this is a family that literally just they're the the company business is the mob so is the mafia which doesn't exist i don't know how much we want to talk about because i guess we won't talk about everything that happens to tommy throughout yeah we're, well, we're gonna we're gonna talk throughout the movie as it becomes relevant but but uh i mean this is the scene that shows tommy is I mean, we've seen him before a little but this is where we really, really get to see him and we see that he's a psychopath and oh yeah well yeah well it's like henry hill said in the book in wise guy he said tommy was a fucking loose horse a fucking homicidal maniac and was always strung out on coke constantly <laughs> and he thought he was overcompensating because his brother one of his brothers turned informant yeah yep. so he was always worried about that blowing back on him so as a result he had to act tougher than everybody else yeah which we start to see here but uh yeah. so that's anything else on tommy d simone yeah, uh, interesting fact about his sister Phyllis uh, was actually Jimmy's mistress from when she was 16 onward. Hmm. Nice. <laughs> so, so not only did Jimmy hire Tommy D, but he's like, oh, introduce me to your sister. So, <laughs> um, but and then the last note is that you know, like like Henry Hill said that he was a uh, pretty much a, a psychopath, and they said he's believed to have killed 11 people for a while in prison. But uh, admittedly, both uh, Henry Hill and Jimmy said that they actually didn't know how many people he's killed. So he was he's just a crazy guy. So this scene in particular is uh, not based on any real-life incident. It's actually ba- – well, it's, it is just not in Tommy's life. It's based on a real incident in Joe Pesci's life. The story he related to Ray Liotta and then to Martin Scorsese is that when he was a young kid working at a restaurant, he told a real-life mobster that, the, that he was funny, which the mobster didn't, didn't like. So this was – Based on Joe Pesci's life, this scene, actually, which is interesting, oh. a little terrifying. And you can tell uh, from the way it's shot, it's shot very, very uniquely. It's, it's almost all just the one or two medium shots because yep. it was all improv, and the actors who are around Leota and Pesci were not aware of what was about to happen or what was happening in the scene or what was going to be, be told. So he wanted to get the genuine reaction from uh, the actors that were, that were in the scene. So it was all in these, in these wider shots. Well, that led me to the question, is Henry overlaughing? And then it made me think, well, is, he at, is Ray Liotta overlaughing? Because he's really, I use this as, this is the gold standard of someone who laughs too much or too hard. Or if something makes me laugh really hard, that's a Liotta laugh. There's a moment about halfway through the minute where he's like, Leota's got like, like his head is tilted toward Tommy and he's got the cigarette propped up and he is just like, it's not a cackle. But it's mm-hmm. a it's a very forceful laugh. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's the kind that that shoots all the air out of your lungs. So it's, but, it's a big laugh. And but for me, the the more interesting part of the scene is to watch the other guys, to watch Mike Franchese, literally uh, an inch away behind Joe Pesci. <laughs> it's just stay there and watch what they're trying to do with it, or watch like what Nikki Eyes is trying to do because he can't. They're not sure what to do, which I which works, but it's it, they're fascinating to watch. Well, Leota has a famous laugh. I mean, I don't know that it's. I mean, he's clearly playing it up, but I mean, if you Google Ray Liotta laugh, you get a lot of, you a lot get of any stuff. results. You get a lot of result, results, including lots of YouTube uh, highlight reels, but from other movies as well. So this is clearly part of his repertoire. It always struck me that he was meaning to look like he was over laughing because his character was afraid of not laughing enough at Tommy's story, right? Because mm-hmm. that, that's like what that. always set up the following minute for me was thinking like, oh, okay, this guy's really trying to make sure he signals that he thinks the story is funny because he doesn't want to get in trouble. Right. Oh, interesting. I never picked up on that angle. That's possible. Maybe. I don't yeah. know. Like, I, think, I think that's entirely possible. But it could also be like they're just having so much fun all the time that he's just like living in the moment and everything. And so that would make the reversal, which is the same thing you're saying. 
Yeah. Although I think later I on, I like later on this Robert week, we'll, later on this week, we'll see uh, a bunch of people laughing at Tommy, which they're probably only doing to to placate him. So. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, we'll get to that later on. Yeah, totally. but. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I, I did. I did the search. Uh, Ray Liotta laugh, and there's a lot of uh, Huffington Post pictures of him with gray hair with that exact same laugh, <laughs> which the exact same facial position. That Joe Pesci was actually making him laugh yeah. as he lived yeah. in that scene. Well, he's clear, and clearly, like I, I mean, I, I wonder if you know, I mean, if like because it's all improv, and he, you know, Joe Pesci, it wasn't scripted, and I mean, I guess the extras must have been told, like, oh, he's telling a funny story, be sure to laugh at him or whatever. But like, how much of this is them actually laughing at him versus well, he's, actual? He's acting. pretty funny telling. The he's story. a funny guy. He's a funny. That's no, the way he, way he tells it. Listen, <laughs> he's a funny guy. But he, I mean, Joe Pesci tells the saying? story really well, and so That's I mean, you're saying it, it, I, I don't even know what to do here. I'm nervous. Someone's gonna put a, pull a gun on me, isn't it? It's real. It just take you, this scene is so visceral that even if we just play around with it, like what, what, what's what was supposed to happen? Uh, <laughs> I want, I want to equivocate. And some of the story is not funny. Like <laughs> it's That's, it's very much a delivery based yeah. humor. Because some of the story, you're laughing and then you're thinking, wait a minute, that's horrible. What, what did he really just say that? <laughs> bing, pow, bing, pow, bing. I, I, like how he ref- I like how he refers to the cop as bing yeah. from then on out. <laughs> bing, what are you doing here? <laughs> I told you to go fuck your mother. <laughs> um, I, also, I, like how, I like how Henry does the like uh, sigh, exhale from the laughing, and that's what starts the you're funny. Right. You know, like it's so, it's so funny. I've got to add as he's exhaling, he's like, "Oh, you're you're funny." You know, like that's like it felt very natural. You know, what I like then is that then all the sound drops out. Yeah, like it's a great the the sound is is really the part that makes this because all of a sudden you just hear like the glasses clinking and the breathing and you're you're sort of living there. And uh, between this minute and the next minute, we'll, we'll talk about it. But like they feel like they're a lot longer than they are. Yeah. Yes. I finished. I was like, oh, that's that was the minute. That was it. I thought this was going to be ten minutes of that. Yeah. Uh, I also want to point out that in this in this scene, then the whole week, Sunny Buns is just looming. Well, yeah. Well, and that's, I didn't. That's... And I didn't. I don't think I noticed that until I did this. This standing research. there the whole time. Oh, you didn't notice that? That's I the just, whole. Yeah. That's... I mean, obviously he shows up at the end to talk to him, but like up until this point, you're so folk laser focused on Pesci. And you're so laser out. focused on Leota, and until I had to look at this scene every inch of it for this show, did I realize, oh, there's Lurch standing there. So, so all we want to do is I, I want to point out that he's standing there, and we're not going to mention him again until he has something to say, and that's going to be a long time from now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's just uh, a headless guy. <laughs> it's a weird frame, like just cinematically, like who would do that? About this dinner. Like you guys know, I like to eat. I'm I'm, I'm, an, I'm an accomplished restaurateur. Right? No, never in my life have I no, been you're at not a di- an accomplished restaurateur. <laughs> no, that I'm is not- the wrong word entirely. <laughs> He's a restaurantee. Restaurantee, yeah. Okay, I'm an accomplished restaurantee. Never in my life have I had just open bottles of booze sitting on the table with my party. And now that's my them. that's my new uh, ga- the thing to live up to. That's what I want to do. I want a bottle of anisette just next to well, me. Well, let's talk about the booze. That was that was, I have <laughs> notes on that. So they've got open bottles of Bacardi rum, Crown Royal blended Canadian whiskey. So they're probably having seven sevens. Uh, it's just it's just Crown Royal. Crown, Crown Royal. Royal. Yeah. yeah, Crown Royal. It's, it's, it depends it's, on it's, how it's classy France. you want to be. <laughs> and then uh, the anisette, as, as uh, Ron mentioned, which is a uh, if you may not know, because I had to look it up because I didn't know what the fuck it was. It's a flavored liqueur. Yeah, it's like an aperitif. It's sweet, and it, it's so strong that if you drink it straight, it'll burn your throat. 
So usually you mix it with water, which makes it look milky. Yeah, yeah so that's what they've got on the table. It's licorice right? Is, is that yeah, the one? Yeah, it's sweet. It's very yeah. sweet. Yeah. And I, I, I did notice between the minutes that that's the bottle, because I couldn't tell what it was. It, in Continuity-wise, it keeps getting turned around. Sometimes the label's facing us, sometimes it's not facing us. Thelma Schumacher, ladies and gentlemen. So Somebody's some, playing with it off yeah. screen. So Because like, I was trying to, I had to go through, what is that bottle? I thought it was vodka at first, but no, it's Anaset. And, and I, ta- I talked about this last week. The, the table structure is very like I just feel like everyone on everyone's on top of one another. How can you eat like that? You're probably, yeah, exactly. Like well, it's, after, it's it's after dinner. I mean, like if you remember earlier, this was the scene. This is the scene yeah. after they meet with Jimmy Frenchie. Was there, right, yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy and his wife were there, and now they're gone. So like this is the lingering after the meal, and I, I imagine people change seats and things like that. But now they're all bunched up. Like Josh, like you said, Mikey Francesi's behind them, and you know we got a uh, weirdly. Yeah, really. I, that's it's, just what it feels like to eat in restaurants in New York City, though. Nah, I still, no, I still say this is a very small table. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. Joe Pesci's a small person. They got it. They got a crowd. Well, Tommy's the only one not bunched up, right? Yeah. Everybody else is around him, so it's yeah. basically like this was his table, and and he just attracted people like a planet. Yeah. I and, think it's a it's a really good attempt to avoid that kind of thing that you get in sitcoms where everybody sits on one side of the table, mm. and because they had to shoot it. Right. So it's it's like it's sort of real, but but you break the artifice when you try to figure it out. Right. That's what's so impressive to me about the fact that this was improv and that they mm-hmm. didn't know what was coming is how silent everyone does get. Right. Like you would think. Yeah. I don't know. I, I everybody went, everybody got it right away. And, I, and I'm not saying they shouldn't have, but like that's I assume they a really well organized scene. Was this the first take? I, like had they run through this and then and then oh it's great let's shoot I assume it was I assume it was but I don't I know. mean don't don't you lose the surprise factor of of what what then happens if you do it more than one like, oh that was great let's do it again like they're then professional you know. actors well, yeah but no they're no they're not no, they're, the guy yeah, actually we, we went right. through this already right. yes. yeah right. the guy right. the guy next to Ray Liotta is a, a goddamn mobster <laughs> <laughs> he's not an actor you know what three of the people in this <laughs> seeing this shot. And actually, that's a that's a common technique Scorsese uses throughout this film yeah, yeah. is, is no. to ha- surprise the, the actors in the scene. So there's probably a lot of mm-hmm. first takes in this. Bing. Fun fact. Mm. Fun facts go a little bit off the rails in this week because there's not a lot of things going on in these, in these scenes. Uh, sea Caucus is, <laughs> uh, is a media, little mini media hub. It's the home of the New York Red Bull Soccer Club uh, as well as the uh, MLB Network and NBA TV. Is that right? It, it's MLB it's also Network. the former home of uh, WWOR, which is the channel yes. that's the Mets were on in the seventies and eighties. That's right. Uh, so there's where, a bunch of TV where, studios there. So yeah. a where would there be weeds where one would pull a bank job? Oh, all over the place. You've been is in that near there. Okay. Yeah. Well, Sea Caucus is by the what by the wall. Hey, Sea Caucus. Sea Caucus is no. That's the C-caucus. right way to say it. Sea Caucus. Say, <laughs> say it any other ways. It's by the shore. It's by the water. Yeah. It's close. It's close to the city. Yeah. I tried to find stats on bank robberies in 1967, but I couldn't find any. So, sorry, <laughs> I failed. Well, I think again we and we talked about this on the show, but it goes back to showing how like he was pulling a bank job and then hid in the weeds and eventually got pulled in and questioned and is now at a restaurant telling the story. Yes, Tom said the story doesn't make any sense. But yeah. <laughs> the story makes complete sense. It's just not. It's horrible. What's happening? <laughs> He's telling the story about being beaten into unconsciousness, waking up and getting beaten again. Yeah. I mean, it makes the story tracks perfectly through. Yeah, you just explained that better than I've ever heard it. I was like, oh, that is. That's what the story is. He got arrested. They beat him into unconsciousness. He woke up and they beat him up again. (laughs) Is Uh, that what the pow bing bing is? Yes, that's that's the sound effect of him getting beaten. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I don't know that that immediately translates. Maybe it's because you grew up in the metro area. <laughs> Did anyone else get a Donald Trump vibe off of it this time? <laughs> or is that just current events seeking into, seeping into my brain? That might be a little from column A, a little from column B. There's, no. a, there's, there's, there's a bluster there. Yeah, there's a bluster. There's a line. There's, there's a pattern. There's some kind of, yeah, some kind of yeah. rhythm that's similar. Yeah. Well, I have a note it's for later, but I guess it applies now. I, I just feel like so many, especially when he turns a little tough guy, like there's like so many of that kind of uh, impersonation, that voice comes from this directly. You know, like I know that he's basing it on some Joe Pesci's basing it on something real, but like mm-hmm. after this, culturally, this is like the thing that that sort of starts that sort of attitude and voice and accent. It's like the 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 okay. one that everybody who doesn't know it directly bases it on. Right. Well, hey, Jim, Jim, trope. Jim Brewer yeah. made a career off of this, yeah. didn't he? Right? I mean, well, like... Yeah. <laughs> just, just, be, just being able to be like a little Joe Pesci. I mean, this yeah. is like... What, I mean, and, whoa, and whoa, like, a little Joe Pesci. Yeah. He's already 5'5". Is <laughs> <laughs> Jim Brewer 4'11"? I guess. Yeah, I like. I like how at one point during the story, uh, when he's talking about getting beaten up, he goes. He, Tommy says, uh, "Just, just once. I'd like. To, I just. I wish I was big just once." <laughs> he tells it great. So yeah. we're really gonna uh, rocket up the fuck train for this. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 that sounds it's wrong, but uh, no. <laughs> Poor it Tom. Right. It's like, oh God, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> so, uh, God, sounds great. Anybody? Rec- <laughs> Recalls from Friday's episode, uh, we are we were at a total of only fifteen fucks. Uh, That's twenty minutes into the movie. The entire uh, movie, the entire movie, only fifteen curses. Right? So now we're really gonna uh, throw them on there. So there's four in this minute alone. Oh wow! So we're, by the end of the week, we're really that almost brings us up to the gold standard one fuck per minute. Yeah. Oh, actually, it's two. We're not per quite. Minute. We're two per minute for this movie. Yeah, I know, but we're not even at one yet, so it, it was it's disappointing. It's it's raising the average. We're, so, I'll yeah. tell you that we're gonna pass we're gonna more than one right. per minute once by the All time right. we get to the end of the week. Don't. So that's that's well that's for the rest of the week. We'll get to that later. So that is it for minute twenty one unless anyone else has anything else. Any other notes? Any other notes in this minute? I just like that, that the minute ends like the, these uh, these minutes ended very nicely in terms of one thing to the next. So this was the funny part of the story. And then right at the very end you just see Henry, it just starts where he's just like, oh, something's wrong. It's yeah. almost like they knew we'd do the show at some point and they yeah. ended up over he just, He's just starting to scramble. <laughs> just, just, oh, um, what do I... Eh. I'm, I'm imagining Scorsese in the editing room now saying, someday these guys are going to do a minute-by-minute minute <laughs> breakdown of this. I want to make it easy on them. <laughs> There's so many things that we he would have had to imagine to get to the point where he could imagine <laughs> this specific thing. He's oh. a visionary, Josh. I guess. That's right. The internet, podcasts, everything. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's it for Minute 21. Uh, But before we wrap it up, though, a little bit of housekeeping from feedback from the the community. Yeah, uh, you might remember all the way back about 15 minutes ago in Episode 4, we were wondering who the mystery mobster was. Uh, One of the the crew uh, that was in the scene was a, a gentleman that we could find no record of we didn't know who the actor was what his name was we asked the community and our community is awesome they came back and uh, uh at delta factory on twitter as well as jeff brand on facebook might be the same person i don't know uh they both identified the mystery mobster is in fact a man by the name of ronald mccone and he's playing the character of ronnie 
which makes sense. And he was able to figure this out from a photo of him uh, also appearing in Casino, the other Scorsese movie. So he backtracked him from Casino, which is interesting, which we should have thought to do. Is he a real-life mobster or is he an actor? That is a great... Ronnie? Ronnie. <laughs> um, I thi- no, no, he's, he's an actor. He's an actor. He's a straight-up actor. Yeah, yeah, no, he was in, he was in well, enough stuff. Know, that, it doesn't yeah. preclude him from being both. Yeah, well, we'll look into that, and we'll we'll, we'll do updates uh, throughout the uh, in future episodes. But big thanks to everybody who wrote in uh, with the identity of the mystery monster. Mystery solved a lot sooner than I thought it would be, to be honest with you. So that's it for Minute 21. Uh, thanks, Tom Merritt, for joining us. Where can people you find bet. you online? Keep it short, because there's about 25 places they can find you. <laughs> yeah, uh, just go to TomMerritt.com. Two R's, two T's. That's probably the best place. Great. And so you'll be back tomorrow. I assume we haven't scared you off. Oh, yeah, No. I, I can't wait to see uh, how far up the fuck rocket goes tomorrow. <laughs> it goes pretty high tomorrow. Uh, and actually, we'll get to that tomorrow. So tune in tomorrow for Minute 22. You, until then, you can check us out at Twitter at GoodfellasMin and on Instagram and Facebook at GoodfellasMinute. And you can find all of our episodes at GoodfellasMinute.com. And to support the show, you can go to Patreon.com slash GFM or you can go to GoodfellasMinute.com slash support where you can also shop via Amazon. And uh, we thank everyone who's done that. We've got some great... Uh, patrons, and we're going to highlight our first patron this week on the Friday episode. So uh, look forward to that. If you're a patron or if you want to become one and hear your name bandied about in the show, that's how you do it. So we thank everyone who's done that. And if you have any questions or anything to note, if you want to identify mystery mobsters or answer any other questions we have about this movie, you can email us at contact at goodfellasminute.com. And if you like comic books, you can check out our sister site, ifanboy.com, and our weekly podcast that we have there. And uh, until tomorrow, I'm Connor. I'm Ron. I'm Josh. Or will I go from rags to return? My fate is on.